Today, I have a story for you about a very particular LEGO group creation, a tiny bit of molded plastic worth as much as $200. But you can't buy this elusive piece from the toy company, and they can't even make it, at least not easily. To understand how this happened and why involves a trip down a seemingly endless rabbit hole where we meet the people who designed, sculpted, and mass-produced the toy, the fans who came to love it, the designers who tried to bring it back, and the conspiracies that today swirl around its mysterious disappearance. This is the story of a little plastic animal that to many among the LEGO Group's most passionate fans is considered to be the greatest of all time. It is the goat of LEGO animals, but it's also a simple goat. I'm Brian Crescenti, and you're listening to Bits and Bricks. Over two magical nights, our four celebrity guests... Merry Bricksmas! Merry Bricksmas! ...will be joined by LEGO Masters favourites. If you live in Australia or have access to Australian television, you might have watched the LEGO Masters Australian holiday special, the LEGO Masters Brickmas special, a two-part television show that aired in November of 2022. Comedian Hamish Blake and the LEGO certified professional Ryan the Brickman McNaught host four celebrities who are paired with LEGO Masters contestants from previous episodes. And in this two-part special, children's entertainer and celebrity Emma Watkins, you may know her from The Wiggles, is paired with LEGO brick enthusiast Gerhard, nicknamed G, to take on the usual LEGO Masters building challenges. And it's during the design process for a building challenge that Emma Watkins turns to G, who is sketching a house on a legal pad, and asks an important question. Can goats be a part of this? There is no Lego goat. If you can give me a Lego goat, I'll be your servant for life. Do you know what's my favorite animal? And I have two at home. What? Goats. When host Hamish Blake shows up, Emma presents the castle concept they're working on and mentions the ambition to include a Lego goat, which then turns into a larger discussion and a little bit of storytelling. I mean, if you guys have got tubs out, you probably have an idea. I talked about the goat and G said it's a, it's a, it's a very dicey adventure. Don't you know the history of a Lego goat? This sounds like a sub Bricksmas tale. It is. Tell me the history of the Lego there goat. There was only one set that had a Lego goat in, and then somehow they destroyed the mold. It just got made again? No. We have a limited amount of goats out there, so uh, people that have the goats don't want to sell them. The ones that sell the goats want ridiculous prices for them. So you will pay for a Lego goat up to $140. What if I could get a goat? You're not going to get a goat. Do you, I'll find you a Lego goat. Can you? And you goats, can you? Goats lonely. That remains the question of this Brickmas special as host Hamish Blake sets out to track down two goats for his Lego Masters team. When he finally shows up with a Lego brick-built box and lifts its lid upward among great fanfare and even a little bit of dry ice smoke effect, what we see is... in real life. We can call this the goat, the greatest of all time. Oh, there it is. There it is. 
It's a true Brixmas miracle. Thank you. That is a miracle. That's the least I could do. Oh. Thanks. <sighs> As you can tell from these clips of LEGO Masters Australia, the price isn't the only thing that makes the LEGO goat interesting. The miniature plastic goat first appeared in LEGO element form back in 2011 and has never been in a set since. Over the intervening years, the scarcity of the goat began to increase the desire for and the mythology surrounding it. Now, a dozen years later, urban legends and conspiracies surround the goat. Some collectors believe a clumsy employee dropped the original mold for the goat, destroying it. Or that there's an anti-goat cabal inside the Danish toy maker. Or like some Lego Jimmy Hoffa, the mold was buried in the foundation of a Lego group building. There was even an April Fool's joke that once convinced fans that the goat was back and easy to obtain. To get to the bottom of the goat, we needed to start with its inception and how it first popped up in a Lego set. It all started when the Lego group decided to reboot one of its more popular themes, Lego Castle. When the Black Knight challenged, everybody got very excited. They quickly closed the sides of the castle. Alarm! Come on, hurry up! The Lego Castle theme originally launched in 1987 and included a colorful array of Crusaders, Black Knights, and Dragon Masters until it was discontinued in 1998. Legoland Castle, medieval adventures to build and collect. But then, in 2007, the Lego group decided to resurrect the medieval theme. View from Lego Castle. Nicholas Groves was among the designers working on those sets. While the reboot included a new fantasy spin featuring things like skeletons and an evil wizard, when the time came to design a big new set in 2009, Groves came up with an interesting idea. Instead of creating a massive castle, he decided to design a set that was a bit more like a slice of medieval life. You can build the king's castle. At the behest of fans, the Lego Castle Medieval Market Village included picturesque European buildings, a cozy tavern, a blacksmith, soldiers, and plenty of cool little touches like a rat, an ox, and even a tiny roasted turkey with removable turkey legs. The response to the set was overwhelmingly positive. So much so that the Lego group decided to create another villager set for the newly christened Kingdom's theme in 2011, the Mill Village Raid. Can build the Mill Village. This set included a windmill, barn, and a host of farm animals, including two goats. Their first appearance in a Lego set. Grove said the idea to include a goat came about during a regular team meeting. I think if my hazy memory is correct, it was kind of myself, Matthew Ashton, and kind of Gita Torsen, our element sculptor at the time, just talking about what sort of animals we could do. You know, and some, again, like chickens and pigs were kind of like no-brainers. You need those on a farm. But what could we do that was a little different? It was like, a goat could be good. And we just started riffing about that. It could be a fun character. You know, it's either chewing on something it shouldn't be chewing on, or it's kind of, you know, again, ramming the bad guy from behind or something. We could kind of really inject some fun into that. You know, and it wouldn't just be kind of a static animal in the background. It could become part of the play, part of the action, which was important for this. You know, this is kind of a civilian farm, but we wanted to really inject that action into it, that the farmers were fighting back against the bad guys and the animals were kind of part of that as well. You know, it was kind of the, the rebellion fighting back <laughs> against these kind of mean tax collectors or something. So, so we had a lot of fun riffing around the goat as a character. It's important to note that including an entirely new element or design in a set can be a complicated and expensive process. That's why there are some limitations on what a designer can add to their work that doesn't already exist. 
And it was around that time we kind of took a decision as a company, like, okay, if it's a, a living animal, we will sculpt it. We will bring it to life in that sense. If it's a statue or, or something like that, then we will brick build it. So a nice little kind of example of that in the mill raid set, if you look on top of the barn, there's kind of a wind vane, which is brick built. And then you've kind of got the real chickens kind of clucking around down below. So we knew that that's a decision you kind of had to make and kind of swayed a little bit. If we wanted new animals in there, we had to sculpt them. And then you had to have that discussion about, you know, how much newness is there? How do we make the call on that? And how much complexity does it bring to a set? Once the decision was made to include a goat in the set, the team turned to a sculptor. This process usually starts with a project brief that explains what the elements need to look like. Then there's a back and forth that takes place between the sculptor and the Lego set designer. Gitta Thorson, who designed the goat, said she recalls that the goat was one of the first farm animals she created. Some years before, I sculpted a cow because that's sort of the foundation for that design language. When I get a brief of sculpting an animal like the goat, I go into the internet and look at pictures, a lot of pictures. I look at the, the skeleton. It's nice to know where the bones and the joints are to make it right. Also, if I can watch video, it's also a good thing to see it moving. And then I start making it out so the silhouette is right. And that is sort of the flat surface that goes around if you look from the side. There's a sort of a flat surface going around in a system animal. And then you need the roundness also because the system animals sort of relate to the minifigure, which has flat surfaces on the front and the sides, but it also has the round head and the round arms. So in order to get the roundness of the system animals as well, I put it in these facets that has a curve to them all the way around. Once the look of the Lego goat was locked in, Thorson created a sculpture of it by hand out of a polymer clay and then baked it in an oven to harden it. So you can sculpt and move the clay around as long as you want to. Then you bake it so it hardens, and then you can sand it and carve in it. And if you carve off too much, you can put extra layers on again and bake it again. When I'd sculpt the uh, element by hand, it had to be scanned then you can get it into the computer. So then you can uh, adjust it in the computer and mirror if that's needed and uh, make sure everything that's uh, smooth surface is really smooth and you can make it really nice, like lines and curves and everything, and make sure the studs are in the right position and everything. So that's when it's getting more and more to a real element. And then you can also... Um, send it to prototyping so you can get the real element in your hand. The design is then given to a mechanical engineer who creates a mold out of steel that can be filled with the plastic to make the element. The final result was a white goat with brown spots featuring two short curved horns and a tiny little goatee. A single stud adorns its back. Despite the cute design, internal requests for the miniature plastic goat to be used in other sets didn't bubble up again for nearly eight years. This time around, Lego designer Mark John Stafford wanted to use the goat to deliver a happier ending to a gruesome scene in the Spielberg classic Jurassic Park, as he worked on a 2019 set for that movie. The first time the T-Rex 
turns up in Jurassic Park is on the tour that John Hammond is giving his grandchildren. And for some reason, he thinks it's really sensible to tie a goat up next to the fence to attract the T-Rex <laughs> to show this to his grandchildren. And the next thing you know, there's half a goat landing on the transparent sunroof of the car that the kids are in. I remember watching it as like, I was in my early 20s, I think. It was such a shocking moment of like, this This isn't going to be your average, you know, Steven Spielberg kids movie. This is going to be something a little bit more like Jaws than E.T. <laughs> so it's that that moment of shock and that poor goat. And I just felt bad for the goat. And to me, if the Lego company wanted to do a goat and a T-Rex set, the goat would be living happily inside the T-Rex's belly. <laughs> and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted the goat to be... You know, just, just sitting there. So when you build the model, you place a goat in the belly and then continue to build. And when it's finished, you can't see the goat, but you know it's there and you know it's okay <laughs> and it's in one piece. It's not half of it on top of a sunroof anywhere. Unfortunately, the idea of slipping a goat into the belly of a T-Rex didn't make the extraordinary set. It got as far as me trying because we had no goats in the building. Stafford said he reached out to someone in project support to see if the original mold for the goat was still viable. In other words, could it be used to create more goats? And they went away and investigated, and it took a surprisingly long time for one of these questions to get back to me. And it turned out the mold had sadly deteriorated by not being used. So um, we couldn't justify a new mold just for essentially an Easter egg in the belly of a T-Rex. And I was vaguely in the area when it was being designed by Gita and then uh, when Nick was building Medieval Marketplace. So I saw it come together and I, I, the fact that Goat had never been in anything after that, I really wanted to resurrect it. So yes, I was a little, a little disappointed. And Stafford said that while there remained a digital file for the Goat, the Lego group would have had to create a brand new mold out of steel. Ultimately, the decision came down to price. If the goat was going to be on the front of the box, if it was going to be a major part in a set, yes, fine, we'll trigger a new mold. But the expense of that for an Easter egg where it's in the belly and it's not going to be seen by anybody, it was too much. It's an awful lot of money to spend just for, for a little Lego humor. They also have to ensure that the set won't cost too much when it goes to market. Every new element, every new brick or new minifig can bump the price up. And the Jurassic Park T-Rex Rampage set is absolutely jam-packed with fun little Easter eggs. New LEGO Jurassic World set. It's a Dino Rampage. The most obvious ones are a series of recreated vignettes from the movie built into the back of the Jurassic Park entrance gate. They include the park cafeteria, the storage room, and even a place to display minifig Jeff Goldblum, reclined with his shirt ripped open and sweat dripping down his face. If the goat made it in, something else would have been cut, Stafford said. Are you saying it was either the goat or Jeff Goldblum? It was always Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no matter how much I love the goat, I got Jeff Goldblum reclining on a concrete block. I, I can't ever top that in a Lego set. So instead of sneaking a goat into the dinosaur, Stafford made do with a frog. In this case, it was definitely referencing the movie. It was the, the gaps in the DNA being filled with frog DNA. So I put a frog in the belly. Also, originally, it's the frog and the goat. You know, they'd have company for each other. They wouldn't have been lonely. <laughs> but no, in the end, it's just the frog. 
While he wasn't able to get the goat into Jurassic Park, that didn't stop Stafford from thinking about the plastic animal as he worked on other sets. I'd love to find a good excuse to bring back a goat. I'm in superheroes at the moment, and there was some discussion about bringing back the goat for the Thor set that's out at the moment with the two screaming goats. But they were so weird and odd-looking, those goats, that um, we thought the Lego goat was a bit too ordinary. No matter how we printed its head, it's never going to look weird enough to be one of these screaming goats. So, again, another missed opportunity for the Lego goat to return. By the time Stafford was working to sneak goats into sets he worked on and tragically failing, the hype for the goat had reached such a fevered pitch that rumors about the diminutive ruminant were swirling. A fan site even created an April Fool's Day prank about its sudden reemergence, and people started taking to YouTube to call for its return. Hi, it's Charlie from Hungary, and they are my newest friends. Well, I also would like to have them in a Lego version, but unfortunately, there isn't a Lego goat in the market. It's time to change that. Set 7189. And yes, that's where the original goat and only set that it's been in since. I know I'm not the only one that is really wanting to get some. And we just see, keep seeing these sets go by. I feel like sooner or later, they're, they're going to have to make a goat, maybe. But then, in 2020, a fan-created medieval blacksmith design was approved to be released as a future LEGO idea set. While the whimsical look of the roof and a tree dappled with fall leaves are perhaps the most eye-catching elements of the design, if you look closely at the original LEGO Ideas concept, you'll also spot a goat. And suddenly, the idea that the now seemingly fabled goat would once more find its way to store shelves seemed a reality. That is, until the set hit, goat-free in 2021. So the medieval blacksmith is a half-timber style building. It has a few animals. There's a tiny tree frog uh, hiding in the apple tree, as well as a dog. Lego designer Wes Talbot said he loved the concept for the design when he first spotted it and had been pushing for it to become an official ideas set as well. Once a fan concept is approved to be a Lego ideas set, it goes through a redesign in-house, where a Lego designer works with the fan to come up with the final retail set. Talbot said during one of his four or so meetings with the fan creator, he pointed out that they wouldn't be able to use several of the animals, including the goat. It was one of those cases where we basically said, yeah, we can't make these deleted ones because we don't have the mold anymore. And he was pretty much okay with that. That's why we also brought in the, uh, the horse in a new color to try and definitely get that in the set. When the set hit, Talbot realized just how much some fans had been looking forward to that goat. The whole goat thing, actually, I had, was not even on my radar up until this model. And it wasn't until we released the blacksmith as it is without the goat that I realized that people were going to miss it that badly. <laughs> I, I was very confused at first. I'm like, I very much like that. Like, oh, it's just a goat. I don't, I don't get it. And then as I looked into it, I realized how scarce it was and how like expensive secondhand it was to find and all that stuff. So I, I definitely understand why people want it. I don't think it would have changed if we had put it in, if I had known that. But we looked into it, and that's pretty easy to look up in our system. Like, you can find the, uh, the element number and then put it in, and then you can just quickly see, do we still have the mold for it or not? So we did that for the animals, and um, obviously, yeah, it was shown up as deleted, so. So what happened to the goat mold? 
To find out, we reached out to the Lego Idea House, home to the world's largest collection of Lego Group corporate history and the company's stunning and secretive archives. It's here that the company stores its history in the form of everything from office furniture to promotional items, internal memos, design paperwork, research, and, of course, Lego bricks and elements. Tina Mortison, the Lego Group's corporate archivist and records manager, was kind enough to try and find the goat mold, or at least an answer to what happened to it. Not a small task when you consider the size of the archives. The archives uh, here in Bilund take up around five or six shelf kilometers. And then we also have space in an archive 30 kilometers from here, which also takes up a lot of space. And there we have one Lego set launched, uh, one of each. Uh, we have some of the old molds that was found under the old headquarters here in Bilund. And the wooden toys that are not on display are also being kept in that warehouse. Whenever a new product is created by the LEGO Group, the archives receive five samples, which are divided into three groups. One is sent off to a climatized warehouse. One goes to the internal company museum housed at the Idea House. And the rest are locked away for potential future legal use. Any extra samples they receive go to an exhibition archive, which can be used around the world. As the corporate archivist, Tina and her team often receive requests from authors, journalists, and researchers, and they try to find answers. For the GOAT, the first place to start was the mold created by Gitta Torsen for the 2011 Mill Village Raid set. Typically, the archives don't store all the molds for the company. Instead, they're kept in special climatized storage areas on site at the factories. But that changed with a surprise discovery in Billen, Denmark, home of the Lego brick, and the company that makes them. When the old headquarters in Bilon was being demolished to make room for the new Lego campus, we found more than 100 molds uh, buried in the foundations of one of the buildings. I wasn't at the site at that time, but I got a call from the facility department saying that they had found all these old molds and maybe we should have a look at them. And the funny thing is that there had always been this saying that Godfrey Kier Christiansen, second-generation owner, had said that once a mold was obsolete and not to be used anymore, we should put them in the foundations of the Lego buildings. Then we were rid of them, and then they wouldn't fall into the wrong hands. Godfather was very... Um, he paid a lot of attention to making sure that the Lego product could not be copied. So we knew that a few molds had been um, put in concrete in one of our factories here in Bilund, but we certainly didn't know that 120 molds were buried underneath the old headquarters. So it was almost like Christmas Eve. And the oldest mold, we dated back to 1951-52, and the youngest or newest was in the beginning of the 1970s. Of course, those molds all predate the goat mold some by many decades. And Mortison said the archives generally don't receive molds anymore. That, unfortunately, includes the goat. While she couldn't find the goat mold, she did find some answers. For instance, she did say that there is no evidence that the goat mold was accidentally destroyed. Instead, it was likely a decision made by the designers of the portfolio to not continue using the goat. And eventually, the molds not stored in special areas can no longer create elements that meet the rigorous requirements for the LEGO group. So what happens to these molds that have been essentially retired? Are they still dropped into the foundation of LEGO group buildings? 
No, that sort of practice stopped in the beginning of the 1980s. And then um, the molds were sent to a special facility in the northern part of Jutland where they were demolished. And now it is actually, um, it can happen on site in on the different um, production facilities we have. As far as I know, all the destruction is sort of coordinated here in Bilund, but the destruction itself takes place on site. The good news is that the paper and digital designs for the goat are likely still in storage at the archives. It just requires someone recreating the mold to bring the goat back to Lego element life. The notion that the goat has taken on so much value and interest among fans remains a surprise to Nicholas Groves, the Lego designer who first came up with the idea of including one in a set a dozen years ago. I mean, we definitely knew like it would be appreciated. Like, oh, great, I can really build my kind of medieval universe, you know, and now I can have much more of kind of a civilian representation. I can build a farm, you know, we, we knew this would be really appreciated by the fans. But yeah, I didn't think that, you know, some years later I'd be sitting here talking about the goat on a podcast because, it, <laughs> because of the, the impact that it had. Traipsing down this rabbit hole, talking to people about rare and hard-to-find Lego elements, I couldn't help but come across an even more valuable piece. Where the Lego goat might bring in $200 from a collector, the even harder-to-find Mr. Gold minifigure can be worth as much as $7,000. But here's the thing. The Mr. Gold minifig was an item designed with scarcity in mind. There were only 5,000 of these released randomly around the world. So the high price tag among collectors is no surprise. The goat, though, was an almost afterthought, a simple addition to the company's growing menagerie of farm animals. Its value instead was the byproduct of simple supply and demand, initially in reverse. There was no over-the-top demand for the goat when it first hit in 2011, so no more were made after that initial set. But once supply dried up, demand grew, as did its value. That it wasn't designed to be special is what makes it so special. You probably don't have an accidental collection of Mr. Gold in your attic, but who knows? Maybe there's a goat or two lost among your bricks. You've been listening to Bits and Bricks. This episode of Bits and Bricks is written and presented by me, Brian Crescenti. Our producers are Dave Tack and Ethan Vincent. Sound design and editing by Ethan Vincent. Artwork by Manuel Lindinger and Andreas Holzinger. Music by Peter Primer and Founder Music. Mixing and sound engineering by Dan Carlisle. This episode stars Nicholas Groves, Gidda Torsen, Mark John Stafford, Wes Talbot, and Tina Mortison. Thanks to the team at The Lego Group, including Alex Ailing, Kirsty McNamara, and Carol Yang Yang. Thanks again for listening and tune in for more. <laughs>